What? College matters. What? College, college matters. matters. Really? For sure. College matters. Alma, Alma matters. It is. It is different to have a conversation about the ethical consequences of DNA research with mm-hmm. a group that includes. Um, a political science major and an architect, as opposed mm-hmm. to a conversation where you've got 20 pre-med students sitting around a room. Yeah. And yeah. that second conversation is certainly important, but mm-hmm. it's a different conversation than the first that I described. That is Professor John Emmert, Dean of the Ball State University Honors College in Indiana. Hello. I'm your host, Venkat Raman. Professor Emmert is a first-generation college graduate. His undergraduate degree was in music performance. His doctoral work was in mathematics. He has had a successful career as a mathematician and an academic. Since 2017, Professor Emmert has been the Dean of Ball State University Honors College. In this podcast, Dean Emmert introduces the BSU Honors College, the programs, undergraduate research, study abroad, scholarships, how to apply, and the career opportunities. Now, before we jump into the podcast, here are the high fives, five highlights from the podcast. This was the genesis of the Honors College. It was 1959. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a uh, the president at the time felt that there needed to be an opportunity for the, for the citizens of Indiana to mm-hmm. have access to the kind of personal, nimble approach to learning that mm-hmm. the liberal arts schools down the road were offering. So in a typical year, we'll have two or three courses that will have a field study or a study abroad element to them. Mm. And these um, might be a spring course for which the class studies the first half of the term about Ireland. And then Mm -hmm. over spring break, the class hops on a plane Mm. and actually studies Ireland for a week uh, on site. I'm looking for the student who has taken a risk Mm -hmm. uh, either in high school or in their previous university setting Mm -hmm. um, who sees the potential in themselves and Mm -hmm. um, and is is motivated to reach beyond the the minimum requirements what we do is not harder but it's different we have Mm -hmm. merit scholarships and awards at the university level those happen mm-hmm. automatically upon admission to the university. And then mm-hmm. within Honors College, I have um, uh, several million dollars of corpus that, that uh, allow me to support quite a few students a year. Find the two yep. or three things that give you, give you pride, give you value. Mm-hmm. It's okay to take a risk. Um, it's okay to fall on your nose. Mm-hmm. You want to grow the calluses. It's okay to not have a perfect A GPA. It really is. Mm-hmm. 
These were the high fives brought to you by College Matters. Alma Matters. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For my newsletter, visit almamatters.substack.com. Now, I'm sure you want to hear the entire podcast with Dean Emmert. So without further ado, here is Dean John Emmert. So if you're ready, we can jump right in. Sure. Cool. So maybe the best place to start is tell us a little bit about your background, and then we can dive into the college. Sure. Well, I, um, I have um, been in college classrooms for quite a few years. <laughs> uh, it was 41 years ago that I stepped in front of my first college class to teach. So wow. it's, uh, it, it's, it's been a wonderful career for me, mm-hmm. and certainly I've seen a lot of changes. I've seen a lot of um, changes in the way that we can do classes, but I've also seen changes in the type of students that seek mm-hmm. out college. Um, mm-hmm. First degree, my undergraduate degree is in music performance. I actually worked piecemeal for a music publisher for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, I always enjoyed mathematics. Um, mm-hmm. And I took a lot of math as an undergraduate mm-hmm. and took advantage of opportunity to go into graduate school in mathematics. Mm-hmm. Did my master's in combinatorics, which is somewhat related to cryptography and, um, mm-hmm. and, and that kind of statistical work. And mm-hmm. my, my doctoral work is in a, an area of math that's more on the visual side. Mm-hmm. I've been full-time within Honors College um, administration for about mm-hmm. 25 years now. And mm-hmm. uh, prior to that, I, I had a, a successful career as a mathematician in academe, um, rose in rank, and, and uh, Rose in administration to a department chair until I stepped into this role. So that's 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 where I am in 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 a significant way. Moving full time into honors college was a return for me because it gives me the chance to work with all majors. It gives me the chance to work with the science majors, but also with the arts and the humanities majors. And so um, my current role is is one that allows me to touch all majors and and it's it's a role akin to what one might find at a small liberal arts school which is cool uh, yeah tell us tell us about the um origins or if there's a history to the honors college at ball state how did that come about? absolutely so the uh, the origins of ball state university and the or and 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 the honors college is actually somewhat related to um, the liberal arts school model. Mm-hmm. We're a gift to the Ball family. This is the Ball family of Ball canning jars and in, mm-hmm. in recent decades, Ball aerospace. Mm-hmm. And in 1916, the Ball family purchased the site, gave it to the state, and asked the state to take it on as a state school because they felt that there was a need for a college in their, in their, in their company town. Mm-hmm. And that level of, of beneficence, of generosity, of community connection um, mm-hmm. still continues to this day. This was the genesis of the Honors College. It was 1959. Mm-hmm. And there was a, a uh, the president at the time felt that there needed to be an opportunity for the, for the citizens of Indiana to mm-hmm. have access to the kind of 
personal, nimble approach to learning that mm-hmm. the liberal arts schools down the road were offering. Mm-hmm. And that was the genesis of the Honors College. So it was established in 59. It was established from the get-go as a four-year mm-hmm. curriculum and mm-hmm. as a curriculum that was independent and stood, stood by itself. So we're quite unusual as, as we have a curriculum that is four years, mm-hmm. changed with the student through all four years, and yet there are courses that are not adaptations of existing courses. There is, mm-hmm. The curriculum is designed to complement all majors on campus, and it does mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. It's designed to make sense as a unit. It's mm-hmm. designed to, um, to encourage the creative and motivated student to think a bit more deeply, to think beyond the, the, the confines of the major. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did starting in 1959, and it's what we continue to do today. So tell us a little bit about the programs, the, maybe start with the academic programs. You started to talk about that. Our curriculum includes eight courses and mm-hmm. they, they, they combine to actually make sense as a unit and to complement the major, uh, they, they, they add to that, that, that perspective of the major. So there's, mm-hmm. a, three, there's a three course um, sequence of the humanities. This is humanities broadly defined. It includes the fine arts design, social sciences. It's global in nature. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it uses for sources, but it's not limited to um, the great books curricula that you will sometimes see. The other, the, uh, and, they, and they, they bring together the interdisciplinary perspectives of the students who, bring, who come into that course, which, got, mm-hmm. which gives it a richness. Classes max at 25 students. They're principally discussion-based. Um, mm-hmm. And they will follow the, the inclination and the interests of the faculty member, but they also tend mm-hmm. to follow the, the interests and inclinations of the students, which can mm-hmm. be pretty cool. And mm-hmm. for a large school, uh, it's, it's quite unusual to be able to carry through that sequence with the same cohort, with the same instructor through a year and a half, through all three semesters, and we provide right. that opportunity. Um, the other courses in the sequence include three additional core courses, and these mm-hmm. are inquiries in global studies. This tends to be a piece of the world beyond the normal comfort zone um, mm-hmm. and, and knowledge base of the students. So it might be Central or South America, it might be Asia, it might mm-hmm. be Africa. Uh, and inquiries in contemporary American studies that tends to look at an element of contemporary American society, like mm-hmm. racism, like poverty. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we also do an inquiries in science and society that mm-hmm. balances um, elements of scientific understanding with elements of how we can better understand ourselves as a society through a scientific lens. Um, in addition, the last two courses of the curriculum are colloquia. These are, mm-hmm. these are special topics courses. They max at 15 students. They tend mm-hmm. to be narrow and deep, but interdisciplinary in their in their um, attraction. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes they focus on a single author. Sometimes they'll focus um, on, a, on, a, on a subject that has um, several interdisciplinary pieces to it. Uh, mm-hmm. A cloak that I taught last term was on improbability, um, risk, and gaming. And there I'm talking about mm-hmm. casino kind of gaming. And so mm-hmm. we looked at um, 
how 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 risk and improbability is perceived, how we play off of those those perceptions. Uh, we also looked at the impact that mm-hmm. perception of risk has to us as a society. Um, it um, and it brought together a dance performance major, two social science mm-hmm. majors, an actuary, um, and each of them. Not only did they bring something distinctive to the table, but they also left with a with a with a with a fresh perspective of their own major. I think about my dance performance major, who yeah. actually used some techniques from social science research that she picked up through that class to uh-huh. examine what's known as chance dance, um, mm. where it might be random or it might be um, um, uh, only perceived as being random. And so hmm. it's it was sort of the Jackson Pollock of dance, um, <laughs> which which was a which was a lovely a lovely experience, and certainly it brought a different a different perspective to my accounting majors, thinking hmm. that um, risk has has um, has different impacts for different segments of society. So that's what we do. In addition, every honors college student completes a senior thesis, and this mm-hmm. is a capstone project that sometimes drifts toward the research, sometimes drifts toward the creative line, but always winds up in our university libraries, uh, digital archives for the world to see. So at the end of the day, they've got something that they're proud of, something that's distinctly theirs, um, mm-hmm. and, and something that they, um, they can showcase as they're applying to grad school or that next job. How about some of the experiential programs you touched upon, yeah. the capstone and the thesis? How about study abroad? Absolutely. Example? Yeah, we 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 want to make sure that those opportunities are available to our students. And certainly as a university, we're members of several consortia and we have several university um, exchange agreements that are in mm-hmm. place. But in addition to those within the Honors College, we think it's important to make sure that there are additional access points. So in a typical year, we'll have two or three courses that will have a field study or a study abroad element to them. Mm. And these um, might be a spring course for which the class studies the first half of the term about Ireland. And then Mm -hmm. over spring break, the class hops on a plane Mm. and actually studies Ireland for a week uh, on site. At the end of that uh, in that spring break, they come back. And then the second half of the course is more the debriefing of, of, of what did we what did we see, what did we experience, what did we find, what were those unexpected uh, discoveries. We do about two or three of those every year. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes they occur during spring break. Sometimes they'll occur just after the end of the term. They've been great opportunities for many of my students. It's the first time they've ever been on a plane. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've, we've offered them in recent years to some of the indigenous parts of Mexico with a local guide. Uh, we've gone to England. Um, we had a group a few years ago that went to Costa Rica looking at water security and safety. Um, mm-hmm. We had a group this term that went, they were they were reading the, the works of Jane Austen, it was one of my colloquia, and uh-huh. they went to Bath in London over spring break to, to walk the steps of Jane Austen. Uh, we have plans to offer um, of course, next year that will have a field experience in India, um, mm. and also one that will uh, include um, examining the Northern Lights. 
and that's going to be mm. one of our science courses. Um, we've had them to Rome. Um, we were planning one to Cuba, and it was canceled because of COVID, but we'll probably bring yeah. them back again. So we aim for them to be um, nimble in size and economical in price, so as many people okay. as possible can do them. Another, another experiential program that I'm very proud of is mm-hmm. possible because of our generous donors, and that is our undergraduate honors fellowships. We mm-hmm. have roughly 50 or more students every year who are financially supported to work on a project, typically one-on-one with a faculty mentor. And it's mm-hmm. a project that's accessible to the student but has immediate impact to the discipline. Um, mm. There's always a dissemination element to it. Um, it's, it's a great way for the student to get a sense of what that discipline is really all about, what's on the leading edge. Um, it's a great way to propel the student to be competitive for a Goldwater or a Fulbright mm. or you know, a distinctive graduate um, award, graduate school award. Um, and, and we've been very fortunate to have some uh, a, 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 a run of successes there, and they touch all the disciplines. Sometimes it's easy to imagine what this would be for a chemistry or biology major, but for yeah. a fashion design major, uh, a student yeah. uh, who was looking at archival techniques for Civil War costumes uh, mm. that led to a uh, an internship at a at a New York house. And even just last year, another fashion design major was looking into um, the connection of certain fashions with industries and um, landed an internship this past summer and immediate job offer. Um, Had another student who pursued a fellowship a few years ago in nutrition and Mm -hmm. was looking at at the nutritional impact of certain ethnic um ethnically driven food um, understandings. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it, was a, it was a lovely mix of the social science and the science of nutrition. This was mm-hmm. a generation college student who um, was very much out of his, his experience because he was interacting with cultures that were very different from his. Right. Um, a, a phenomenal experience that led to being um, a finalist for a Fulbright in gastronomy in Italy. Um, And he's since has completed grad school and is making a difference. So lots of good stories there. Yeah, this sounds like an amazing program. In fact, um, I just love the field trip idea because it's sort of a mini study abroad kind of thing. You know, you mentioned for undergraduate research, there are grants. But what about uh, for these field trips? To, um, is there money it's available? For there is schools? some. Yeah, there is some. I have I have one donor who um, who allows me to support some study abroad. It's a curious fund because the donor's intent is for me to use it as a recruitment tool. So it's mm. a fund that I, I'm obliged to award before the students actually come to campus. Um, mm. And then they, then they receive the funding um, when they actually do a field experience. Um, so that's, that's been a major, uh, a major way to open some doors. And I try to be sensitive to students that I believe will actually take advantage of it so that they, they truly do see it as, a, as an opportunity. 
And there's some limited funds to support certainly some of the more innovative and uh, experimental experiences. But even for those who do not have additional support, our honors college field experience, these short-term field experiences tend to lie in the two to $3,000 range. Right. And that's all we in from the travel, the lodging, um, mm -hmm. many of the meals. And, and while that's, that's still significant, that's, mm -hmm. that's a, that's a price point that is accessible to more students than perhaps yeah. a whole semester abroad or a more traditional field experience. What about study abroad? Is um, what what fraction of your honor students take advantage of that? Mm, roughly about ten to fifteen percent. Hmm. I wish okay. it were more. Um, yeah, actually, it may be more like twenty percent because I think about study abroad experiences that are are provided from some of my sister units also. Um, mm -hmm. I have, a, I have a, a fair number of uh, architecture majors and mm -hmm. the architecture students have several opportunities during their time to do short-term or long-term field experiences. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, COVID um, darkens yeah. the lens a little bit too. Um, I, I'm, I'm always looking for ways to increase that percentage but in fairness, it's probably about 15% right now. Okay. I mean, that's, and, and is cost a major factor or is it just the pressure of the courses? And I think, nature? I think part of it is cost. Um, we are, we are, um, we are significantly a first generation college student mm -hmm. school. And mm -hmm. my, my student population within honors college is about two thirds um, receiving either a Pell or some other subsidized loan. Mm -hmm. um, and even though some of these study abroad experiences can be, um, you know, they can be, you can use loans to help pay for them. It is an extra burden. And yes. so I do think cost is a piece of the puzzle. That's why it's so important to me that we do have short-term ways that still yeah. um, get the students abroad. No question. I mean, that, that I think is a uh, really innovative and a brilliant way to do it. How many how many students do you have in the program? I mean, in the honor yeah, program? roughly a thousand. And that's roughly about 8% of my undergraduate population on campus. Okay. Um, I do have the luxury that I do not have a quota. So I'm able to consider every application on its own merit. Um, mm. And that is a luxury that I know some of my sister departments do not have. Um, right. And and in the last few years, with some changes that we've made to our application process, I am seeing larger incoming classes and classes that are persisting um, to graduation with honors at a, at a higher rate also. And mm. so I would anticipate that the population will be growing certainly toward 1100 within the next couple of years. But this is um this is a this is a place where students who have a demonstrated curiosity and mm -hmm. motivation to take on that curiosity. We're a place to serve them. And so I'm very happy that I've got some flexibility 
to respond as our as our population grows. Now, how would you describe your student body? Um, you know, just from my whatever demographically, yeah. geographically, those sort my of. My student, my honors, my honors college student population is about forty percent Pell Grant recipients. Mm-hmm. Um, they are about. 19% from racially or culturally diverse populations. Mm-hmm. Um, from a Pell Grant demographic, we, we match almost perfectly the, the undergraduate uh, demographic at Ball State. Mm-hmm. We're a bit short of the proportion of underrepresented races and ethnicities of the campus, mm-hmm. but we are, we are closing in on that on that proportion. Sure. Um, I think it's important that we be perceived as an accessible resource for all students that um, have the ability to take advantage of what we have to offer. And I, I believe within the, I mean, given the trajectory that we're on, I believe within the next three to four years, we will be at least on par with the university and that, in fact, that's one of our stated goals for our um, for our next five years. Awesome. We are we are um, we are um, about twenty percent out of state students. Mm-hmm. In that measure, we're we're um, a bit richer than the university as a whole. The university as a whole is about twelve percent out of state. Um, mm-hmm. We do tend to attract um, a a. a, a, a um, a more curious and motivated out-of-state student. Part of mm-hmm. our role in the Honors College is to recruit those students for university, whether or not they actually persist in the Honors College curriculum. And we take that job seriously. And so it's not a surprise that we are a bit overrepresented in some of the programs uh, for which we attract regionally and nationally. And those would include, for example, um, pre-medicine and the other pre mm-hmm professions, biology, nursing, um, actuarial science, architecture. Um, mm-hmm. as, a, as a university, we, we have, um, we support all majors except for engineering. Um, mm. And so um, for, those, for those programs that have a, a regional and national footprint, we will tend to have that, that um, enhanced footprint also. It's also um, worth noting that while I'm describing a very personal and uh, nimble atmosphere within the Honors College, the university um, follows that same model. Our mm-hmm. faculty student ratio is 14 to 1. Mm-hmm. Over 90% of our classes are taught by faculty who hold terminal degrees, who are mm-hmm. active in their field, and who um are gifted at pedagogy for undergraduates. For a school mm-hmm. of twenty thousand, that's that's an unusual, um, it's an unusual feat. Yeah, um, we have graduate students. We utilize on some within the university. We do not utilize them within honors college, mm-hmm. um, but they're they're utilized typically to assist in a in a lab, or perhaps in a breakout session. Um, sure, it's quite possible. And, and quite often 
that a student can have all four years of instruction at Ball State and have two or fewer graduate students leading a class for them. Hmm. That's awesome. That's fantastic for the, uh, you know, college that size, a university that size. It's quite unusual. You know, you've um, teed up a great program. So how do students apply? I mean, um, they have to what's ask. the process? Yep, they have to ask. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you laugh. Um, there are some programs that uh, some of my sister programs where the, uh, the college applicant sort of discovers that they've been placed in Otters College. I mm-hmm. don't take that approach. I would rather, I would rather um, seek out students who um, recognize the value that yeah. the college has to them. And so the answer is you apply. Um, and from a, from a nuts and bolts point of view, applications are done online these days. We do participate yeah. in the Common App. If you're yeah. participating in the Common App, you click, yes, I'm interested in the Honors College, and that will... Uh, that will add a supplemental application. And if you're applying through the normal Ball State way, there's a similar tick box and uh, a few extra questions. It's not a writing sample. We really do want to hear about you. We mm-hmm. do look at high school GPAs, yeah. but it's not a blank box. We yeah. are a test, op- a, a, a test optional school. So yeah. if you tell us that you want us to consider your SATs or ACTs, we will. If yeah. you tell us you don't want us to consider them, we won't. But again, we're not a black box for that either. Um, mm. I'm looking for the student who has taken a risk, mm-hmm. uh, either in high school or in their previous university setting, mm-hmm. um, who sees the potential in themselves and mm-hmm. um, and is is motivated to reach beyond the the minimum requirements what we do is not harder but it's different um mm-hmm. and frankly it if we do our job correctly what we offer is is fulfilling um yeah it is it is different to have a conversation about the ethical consequences of dna research with mm-hmm. a group that includes um a political science major and an architect as opposed mm-hmm. to a conversation where you've got 20 pre-med students sitting around a room. Yeah. And yeah. that second conversation is certainly important, but mm-hmm. it's a different conversation than the first that I described. And it's yeah. that first kind of conversation that we offer. So it may be a harder experience because it takes you out of your comfort zone a little bit. It mm-hmm. may be a little bit more unanticipated. But at the end of the day, it prepares you for the real world. And whether you're a political science major who might benefit from hearing how an elementary education major thinks about a topic or an architect who um, sees a new perspective because of what the music major has to say. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are the kind of experiences that we, that we, we want to further. So the application process is you fill out the form. um, It gets read, it gets reviewed. As I said before, each gets, reviewed on its own merit. For in-state students, Indiana has what's known as um, an honors academic diploma or a technical honors diploma. Mm-hmm. Uh, roughly that means you've taken you've taken advantage of some additional 
academic opportunities in high school, whether it's mm -hmm. additional years of a foreign language or some um, technical expertise, science kind of opportunities. Um, mm -hmm. That's a that's a that's a big plus for me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I also look at homeschool apps and I look at applications, uh, quite a few applications from people from abroad. And, mm -hmm. and so part of my goal is to see what was available and what did you take advantage of? That's mm -hmm. the kind of student that I know uh, I want to invest in as a college student. Now, what uh, you have merit scholarships or... Um... Anything yes, we do. Yes, we do. Okay. Um, and again, thanks to my donors <coughs> who uh, helped me um, be nimble on those. We have mm -hmm. merit scholarships and awards at the university level. Those mm -hmm. happen automatically upon admission to the university. And then mm -hmm. within Honors College, I have um, uh, several million dollars of corpus that, that uh, allow me to support quite a few students a year. Mm -hmm. uh, Still not as many as I would like, but generally speaking, about 15 to 20% of my students will receive some award. Um, and that might be that study abroad award that I mentioned. It could sure. be up to uh, a full ride for a few because of a generous donor. Um, mm -hmm. Some of them also consider need. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, that's a, that's a place where I've been fortunate in um, directing some of my donors of late because mm -hmm. there is there is significant need um, within these within within the honors college community mm. as much if not more than um, what we see at the university as a whole on the other hand mm -hmm. that significant need comes significant opportunity um, sure. recently received a data point that I'm very proud to share. In fact, I shared it the last time I, I presented with to my to my board of trustees. Mm -hmm. Certainly our matriculates have a high graduation rate. That's not a surprise mm -hmm. because they come in um, equipped, generally speaking, they come in equipped to 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 uh, to take advantage of college. Right. But the data point that I saw a few weeks ago um, made me very proud. Within that group, 39% mm -hmm. of my students who are Pell Grant recipients, they mm -hmm. actually graduate at an even higher rate than mm -hmm. my overall Honors College community. And that mm -hmm. tells me that there's still more potential to invest in students who have high ability, high need, high potential, and they're highly motivated. We've also seen that in our Gilman Awards. Uh, one of my mm -hmm. one of my full time associates uh, is my director of uh, national and international scholarships, and mm -hmm. this is a person who serves primarily undergraduates, but but sometimes graduate students uh, mm -hmm. who are who are going after the Goldwater, the Fulbrights, the Gilmans, the Rhodes, those mm -hmm. significant scholarship programs. Yeah, and yeah. the Gilman Award is particularly important to me because that's an award that is only available to those who are Pell Grant recipients. Statistically, mm -hmm. this is an award that supports um, a proportional majority of underrepresented groups, first-generation mm -hmm. college students. Mm -hmm. um, and in the last three years, we've, we have um, had very, very good success in 
um, in guiding students to be competitive applicants mm -hmm. for Yeoman, um, hitting hitting um, hitting an ex a uh, award rate of over eighty percent, which mm. is just stunning compared to to um, the national averages. So we know we're making a difference, um, but I also know that there's there's more people that could be touched. What about career opportunities? How do your honors graduates do? Um, my data tells me that, yep, my data tells me that over 90% are um, move have moved on to their next step within a year of graduation. Um, mm -hmm. 85% are employed in a field of study mm -hmm. of those that are seeking employment. They're employed um, where they want to be. Um, mm -hmm. Significant proportion are successful in um, getting into the med schools and the similar schools or the similar graduate programs. Uh, mm -hmm. Last year, um, we had two students who received NCAA post-graduation scholarships. This, mm -hmm. is the, this is the this is the gold ring for mm -hmm. our athletes. This, these are $130,000 awards and, and mm -hmm. we received two of them. Um, but NSF postgraduate scholarships. We also have had good success with NCAA postgraduate. I think we had four of those last year. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the personal approach that's available to the students from their faculty, from, from my staff, it's there for the students to take advantage of. Sure. For those who take advantage of it, they do very well. So, John, we're going to start winding down. Um, I'd like for you to give some advice for high schoolers out there, um, you know, as they start sure. thinking about college. Um, I'm a first-generation college student, mm -hmm. and I think some of the best advice that I received came from my parents um, when I was finishing high school. Mm -hmm. They said, we've, we've, we've given you every opportunity, go forth and take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. And, and I couldn't have asked for better advice. So as I look to current high school students, mm -hmm. that's the advice I would give you too. Mm -hmm. Look for those opportunities. Seek them out. You don't have to do everything, and you shouldn't do everything. Mm -hmm. Find those opportunities that are meaningful to you, those opportunities that resonate with you, that help make you distinctive, those opportunities mm -hmm. that you go after because they're important to you. Mm -hmm. don't, don't try to just do one of everything and, and complete your punch card. That's mm -hmm. not meaningful. Find the two yep. or three things that give you give you pride, give you value. Mm -hmm. It's okay to take a risk. Um, it's okay to fall on your nose. Mm -hmm. You want to grow the calluses. It's okay to not have a perfect A GPA. It really is. I would rather see the applicant who has taken some risks and has a few grades that are, you know, a little below the 100% mark. Yeah. But they've taken the risk. So it's really okay to take the extra year of, of language because you're interested in it. Or mm -hmm. to take on the extra 
science course or to take on or to take on the sports team, even if you're not going to be a starter, because mm-hmm. there is value to those experiences for so many for so many people. Mm-hmm. So I think that that would be my bottom line advice. Take the risk um, and celebrate the successes that come from that risk taking. Yeah, that sounds great. Sound very sound advice. So, John, um, I want to thank you for a great conversation. So fantastic program. I hope our listeners take in all the information and you see more applications. If not, you know, it's it's a great example of what you can do in college and what kind of resources and opportunities are being presented. Yeah, thank you for the conversation too. And I should say, for those that are considering our school or any other school, take advantage of those opportunities to talk to existing students. Um, Mm -hmm. I rely on my undergraduate students to be my ambassadors. They are, Mm -hmm. they are the people that when I have an inquiry, that high school student and their family, they don't meet with me. They meet with an existing honors college student. Mm -hmm. And, and we do not script those conversations. They are real. They are Mm one-on-one. Those are the value. That's how you get the valuable data. Try to sit in on a class, get a sense of what a normal Tuesday morning is going to be like at the school that you're interested in. And, and you will find the fit that's right for you. And at the end of the day, that's what I hope of every person who considers us. We may not be the right fit, but I want you to find the right fit for you. Thank you, John. Um, thank you. Thank you again. And I will talk to you soon. But take care. Be safe. Thanks for the opportunity. I wish you the best. Thank you, John. Take care. Hi again. Hope you enjoyed our podcast with Dean John Emmert of the Ball State University Honors College. Specifically, Dean Emmert covered the Honors College programs, experiential programs that include an innovative field trip program to other countries, how to apply, the scholarships and grants, and finally, career opportunities. I hope you explore the Honors College at Ball State for your own undergraduate studies. For your questions or comments on this podcast, please email podcast at almamatters.io. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast today. Transcripts for this podcast and previous podcasts are on almamatters.io forward slash podcasts. To stay connected with us, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or visit anchor.fm forward slash alma matters to check us out till we meet again take care and be safe thank you college matters alma Alma Matters. matters